morning, Christ Church. It's so good to be with you this morning. Good morning to our online family watching. For those of you who might not know me, my name is Tina, and I am our campus director here at West. Some very exciting news. Our pastor, Chet, and his wife, Allie, have officially welcomed home baby number three. A beautiful, healthy baby boy. We're so excited. And I'm excited because that means two things. I get to share this message with you today. And two, I'm going to get you out so much sooner than Chet does. We've got donuts to get to. So we started this brand new sermon series last week called Stop Trying and Start Training. And Chet said last week that we cannot try to be like Christ. We have to train to be like Christ. See, some of us, we want a deeper faith. We really do, and we try so hard, but something isn't connecting. Or if you're like me, you have a hard time starting something new. You'll start and then stop and then start and then stop. And someone said this to me once. They said, if you want a deeper faith, it's between you and Christ. No one is going to do the work for you. And I panicked. <laughs> then I thought, how amazing is it that we have a God that wants a personal relationship with me? How awesome that he wants this personal relationship with you. This same person also said that doing something was better than nothing. It's not real deep, but I got it. So if you're on this journey and you start and you stop and you start and you stop, I just want to encourage you. I want you to think about a God that's after your heart. He's going to be with you every single step of the way, and he has a good plan for you. Sound good? All right, let me say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for every single person in this room. I pray that our hearts would be open to receiving your message. I thank you that our faith was not meant to be complicated but simple, and when we come to you and grow to be more like you, our hearts, our lives are changed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm wondering if anyone is like me, and they tend to make things a little bit harder in life. <laughs> we might overthink things or overcomplicate things. Um, I know I can get in my head, and sometimes I'll completely miss a conversation. Like I was driving my daughters to school this week, and I was thinking about my to-do list, and I was thinking about work, and all these things that were on my mind, and I... I put the car in park, and I look over, and I can just see it on her face. She knew mama was not listening to a word she said, and that's what we call a parent fail. Um, I can also overcomplicate things because I can kind of build it up in my mind. Um, I hate chores. I'm just going to say it. I hate doing them. I hate the time it takes to do them, and one of my least favorite chores is the laundry. I don't, yeah. I don't know why, but I always forget to switch it over. My husband, who is amazing, this man will do like three loads of laundry a day. He washes it, dries it, he folds it, he puts it away. I think it's his spiritual gift. <laughs> um, but see, here's what happens, is I'll spend more time thinking about how much I don't want to do the chore than actually doing it. And I think I can do this in my faith, like I can work it up so much in my mind. Like I know I could read the Bible more and pray more, 
but I've worked it up so much it feels like a chore. But see, here's what I love about God. It doesn't matter if I do these things. He's going to love me regardless. Doing these things, it's not going to make him love me any more or any less. Faith was meant to be simple. And I want to read us a verse today that I think is going to help us to see this. It's going to help remind us. It's from the book 2 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I have betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a simple and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one you proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel than the one you accept, you put up with it readily enough. And I want to break this down a little bit for us. So Paul was writing the letter to the people um, at the church of Corinth, and they were struggling. See, Paul had originally taught them about Christ, but they were hearing all these different teachings. They started rebelling. And Paul is saying, hey, you were made to be in union And just as a husband and wife are bound together, we're bound to Christ. Marriage is sacred, and it's beautiful. It's between two people. Husbands, looking at you. You don't want your wives looking to and talking to other guys, yeah? And ladies, my hubby's cute. He does laundry. He sells diamonds, but I want him for me. I want his time and his attention. But do you see what I mean? We, we were made to have this relationship with Christ, and that's how we build our faith. Having a simple faith is going to help us to simplify our lives. So what stands in the way of this? During this sermon series, we're going to go through a book called So You Want to Be Like Christ by Charles Swindoll. And he says that mind clutter stands in the way of us having a simple faith. He says there's five sources of mind clutter. Number one, most of us say yes to too many things. Do you ever leave here on a Sunday and you're like, man, that was good. Chet's looking at you, speaking to your soul, and you're like, this is it. I'm in. Call me a Christian. And then Monday happens, and you're running around, and you've got that late meeting, and then Tuesday happens, and you're shuffling the kids to I don't even know what sport. I don't know if they ate. I hope it was a granola bar. And then Wednesday comes around, and I don't know what's on the calendar, but I know it's something. And then by Thursday, I'm completely exhausted. I'm so crabby. I'm so tired. Am I even a Christian anymore? I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) But see, some of us, we, we, we have a hard time saying no. We say yes to so many things. We are overscheduled. We are overcommitted. My mind is cluttered with these obligations and to-do lists and anxieties. Charles Swindoll says that when you say no to others, it'll soon turn into a yes for God. Number two, another source of mind clutter. He says most of us do not plan time for leisure and rejuvenation. 
Do you find yourself so busy you're just on to the next and on to the next and on to the next? And when we move at this pace, our minds are cluttered. We have to find time to rest, plan things that are going to refresh our souls. My husband and I, we were talking about this. We're like, man, what makes like a really good refreshing day? And we both agree it wasn't like vacation or going to Cedar Point. Those are so fun. Super stressful sometimes. But it was those simple days where we were together as, as a family. Maybe we spent the day at the lake. We played in the water. We got to grill out some food. We have to plan the time to rest our souls. It's going to help unclutter our minds, and we can focus more on our priorities. When I'm rested, I can focus more on being the woman that God called me to be. Number three, we rarely experience the joy of accomplishment. Proverbs 13, 19 says, A desired accomplish is sweet to the soul. I know I do this personally. I have a hard time just sitting in the good moments with God. I have a hard time because my mind is always running, and when we simplify our lives and we say, man, that was so good, it helps us to see the beauty of God. Number four, we owe more than we can pay. Some of our minds are cluttered because of our finances. We're either thinking about the next purchase or thinking, how am I going to pay for this next purchase? Some of us, we, we have a hard time because we're living outside of our means. I know personally I can get in this little loop where I'm like, this thing's going to fill me. This is it. This is going to make me feel so good. And then I get it from Amazon and I'm ticked because I didn't read the reviews and that thing was so much smaller than it was on the picture. But this clutter, it doesn't leave me anything good to think about God if I'm constantly worried about Amazon or consumed with money. Number five, another source of mind clutter is technology. I think technology is a gift. I really do. And man, thank goodness for Dr. Google, because he has gotten me out of some serious health moments. And I would be lost without my GPS. I have no idea where I'm going. It's sad. My husband, he likes to play this fun game when we're driving in the car. And he'll say like, hey babe, which way is the lake? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Did you know that you could check your screen time on your phone? Yeah, my daughters and I did this recently and I'm gonna share it with you, but I'd prefer if you didn't judge me. I'm a work in progress, okay? I'm at about four hours ugh, on my phone. And do you know where that comes from? It comes from those like empty moments when like I'm waiting in line at the grocery store or the doctor's office or anytime I have free time, I, I just pick it up and I'll start scrolling. And then I'll notice I'm not even looking. I'm just like, oh cool, not reading. And then I go down this rabbit hole of videos and 45 minutes later my mind is mush and I know way more about TikTok than I need to. If we're not careful, the same thing that was meant to lighten our loads, it's going to weigh us down. I want to look at our verse again, verse 3. It says, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 
So the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, it says that God created everything. He creates the heavens and the earth and light and darkness, and everything he creates is good. He creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he blesses them. He gives them all authority over the Garden of Eden, and the only thing he says is, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for if you do, you will surely die. I want to read Genesis 3, verse 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it, for if you do, you will die. Mm. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Spoiler, she eats the fruit. See, the serpent was so crafty. This is the father of lies. He told her just enough of the truth. She believed it. But it was still a lie. And I think another thing that stands in the way of us having this simple and pure devotion, this this simple life, it's lies. Lies about God. Do you ever fear God because you fear his temper and his judgment? Like, this is a God who punishes. But when we look through scripture, we're often met by words of encouragement. He says things like, do not fear I'm with you. You are mine. Only believe. Another lie we believe about God is he's so far away. I've disappointed him too many times. He's given up on me. When we look at scripture, it says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Another lie that we can believe about God is that we have to earn God's love. Like God will love me more if I hit all these spiritual check marks that I've made myself. And this just makes me think about my daughters, parents. Do you know what I mean? It's not about what they do. It's not about what they do in this life. Like, I will love them no matter what, no matter what they do. There's nothing that could stop me from loving them. And that's how much God loves us. The unholy one will tell us lies about ourselves. Does anyone else play the comparison game? Yeah. Like, man, they have more money. Ooh, they're so much more successful. How do they do it? I always wanted to be shorter. I did. I did. And then this one time I was at the grocery store with my mom, and she's like, Tina, can you reach the top shelf? And I was like, sure can. God gifted me. But see, when we're comparing ourselves to other people, we sacrifice the uniqueness, the talent, the gifts that God has given us. The unholy one can tell us lies about other people. And I think this one can go, like, from one extreme to the other. We can often have, like, a misconception about people. 
Um, author Lisa Turkhurst, in one of her books, she has a chapter, and it's titled, There's a Lady at the Gym Who Hates Me. So she is, like, convinced this woman, who she's had minimal interactions with, hates her. And she says this woman is, like, super fit, not an ounce of fat on her body, and Lisa compares herself to, like, this marshmallow. So she's like, for all the other marshmallows out there, I've had it. I'm going to beat this woman on the elliptical. This woman has no idea that they're in this, like, imaginary race. So these two women, they're on the elliptical, and the marshmallow's keeping up, and they're doing great. And all of a sudden, Lisa, her phone rings. And there are signs clearly stated in the gym, no cell phone use. But she sees it's her friend calling, and she knows her friend really needs her. So she answers the phone. And the other woman gets puffy and puffy, and she walks off. And she's like, I knew it, she hates me. But then something happens the next time these two women are at the gym together. They pass each other. And as they pass each other, this other woman smiles at Lisa. Just like a friendly hello. And that's when it hit her. Like, she had made this whole scenario up in her mind because of the rejection in her life. And I think, how many times have I done this? How many times have I built up walls because I I think something else about someone that might not even be true. And we miss out on on, on building relationships. And I think this could also go the opposite direction. I think sometimes we depend on people to fill what only God can fill. Like we can look to other people to validate us and to love us more and to spend time with us and entertain us and occupy us. And when we do this, we put unrealistic standards on people. We put so much pressure on them, and we end up taking away an opportunity for God to fully rely on and be loved by God. Another lie that we can believe is a lie about what fills us. Have you ever had one of those seasons where you're like, I am tired? And I mean like tired to your bones. And when I'm in those seasons, when I just think, like, when this is over, after I finish this, it's going to get so much better. When I'm in those seasons, I also think, like, Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, Prime. Those things are calling my name. I want to sit in my pajamas. I don't want to do anything else. I'm going to squeeze in as many movies as I can in a day. But see, when I do that, I end up more tired than I was before. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There is nothing like being so exhausted and going to God and saying, Lord, I am tired. And just being overwhelmed with a peace I can't understand. And the more I do this, the more it takes away my anxiety And I crave it more and more. So how do we pursue this simple faith, this life of simplicity? Scale back. Take a look at your calendar this week and ask yourself, what is going to happen if I don't do this? And if the answer is nothing, get rid of it. It's going to allow you to declutter your mind and to spend more time with God. The next thing Schedule time to be with God. Commit to just five minutes a day 
talking to God. It doesn't have to be some crazy, elaborate, fancy prayer. But just do it on a daily basis. Bring him your struggles, your sadness. Remember that he is the source of all of our joy and rest. Next, we can read the Bible. That's a little intimidating, I'll give you that. But we could just pick one verse a day and really meditate on it. When I was new to faith um, and I was struggling with some negative thoughts, one of the first verses I learned, I just said it over and over and over until it made sense, until I just, it was in my core. It was a part of my identity. So even now when those negative thoughts come up, mm mm-mm. God gave me a spirit not of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. There's a, an app. It's free. It's called the YouVersion app. Um, it is so awesome. They have different um, Bible translations. There's Bible plans. There's videos. And guess what? They have a daily Bible verse, so you don't even need to pick one. It's there for you. The next thing we can do is join a life group. We're going through this church emphasis, and we're going to dive into each one of these spiritual disciplines. Tet said um, uh, last sermon, we're better together. We get to encourage each other. We get to hold each other accountable and help each other along the way. Um, I read a biography recently about a man named Fred Rogers. And most of us might know him as Mr. Rogers. Now, he was the definition of what a simple faith looks like. Like, this man ate the same foods every day. He did the same workout every day. He wore the same cardigans every day. And he had this children's program, if you don't know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And this was actually a program for for young children ages three to five. But there was something so mesmerizing about this man. He was so calm and patient and loving. And he just wanted every viewer to know that they were special and that they were loved. He would end his show and he would say, you always make each day special. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person in the whole world that's like you. And that's you. And people can like you exactly the way you are. This was a children's program. This man was sharing his faith without even mentioning God. And people really resonated with this. There were people that wrote into the show and shared the impact. There was a woman struggling with addiction And he said on his show one time, he gave her hope because he said there were people out there that really cared, that really wanted to be her friend, and she believed that. Another woman wrote in, and she said that he gave her the courage to pursue this career because one episode they were talking about, it's okay to do scary things. I had no idea growing up that this man had this faith. When people met him, they were often shocked because they thought they were going to meet this actor. 
but he was truly Mr. Rogers. And some people said that he was this Mother Teresa type person. And other people said, Mr. Rogers is a saint. But he didn't like that because he knew this was effort. He knew that this was his discipline. This was his life of simplicity. See, he was able to do this because he accepted God's love and he understood the gospel. And before we end and wrap this up, I just want to take a look at these two things. Knowing God's love and accepting the gospel. See, some of us here, because of our past, because of our rejection, we have a really hard time accepting the love of Christ. And I just want to give you an opportunity, a moment to declutter your mind, to get rid of negative thoughts or what you thought you knew about God and just sit in these verses. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Another verse says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I will help you. And this last one, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is a God who loves. Uncluttering our minds, training to be like Christ, it is not going to be worth it if we don't know the gospel. The last few verses say, for if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one that we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel than the one you accept, you put up with it readily enough. I don't want to put up with that. <laughs> and maybe some of you, maybe you're here today because God simply wants you to know his love and accept the gospel. Maybe it's because you feel like he's far away and you want to reconnect to him today. The gospel translated simply means good news. In church, this is good news. We receive the gospel by admitting, believing, and receiving. We admit we're sinners. We're not perfect. Sin simply means to miss the mark, and we've missed the mark on who God has created us to be. Next, we believe. There was a debt to be paid because of our brokenness, but God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. There was a price to pay, and Jesus Paid that price for me and for you. And he overcame death. 
He rose again, and because of it, we can have a relationship with God. And next, we accept it. No strings attached. No spiritual check marks. We accept it, this free gift of salvation. We admit, believe, and receive. We don't have to overcomplicate this. See, this is God's love. And when we really know this, when we really sit in this, it changes our perspective. It changes our hearts. It, it makes us want to, to declutter our lives and to be more like Christ. Let me say a prayer for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single person in this room. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be open. If there's anyone here just struggling to receive it, Lord, I pray that they would just have an overwhelming sense that this was meant for them. I pray that we would draw closer to you through this sermon series as we dive into each of these spiritual disciplines, Lord, and that we would just have a healthier and stronger relationship, that we would grow more to be like Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.